My name is Britt Hicks, and you are listening to another Exvangelical podcast. On this podcast, I interview people from all walks of life who in some way identify with the term Exvangelical. On that note, everyone has their own personal story, their own vocabulary, Uh, When listening to this podcast, there may be things that you agree with and things that you don't agree with, and I invite you to just to sit and hold space for the person that you're listening to. If you have questions, please send them in to me, and I would love to hear them. If you would like to be interviewed as an evangelical on this podcast, please send me an email or uh, reply, and I would love to get you on our show. Thanks so much, and please enjoy listening to this episode. Okay, so I have my friend here, Ben Ashley. Ben, would you introduce yourself and like, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then also how do we know each other? Uh, yeah. Um. I am 32, and we, uh, I, I'm from Indiana, so much further north than Texas, but we crossed paths in the uh, 220i internship, which was, that's a whole trip, which <laughs> I don't know how much you guys have heard about that from Brit, but- uh, Zero so far. Zero. <laughs> okay, gotcha, <laughs> yeah. right on. It's a fresh topic. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, it's a spicy one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Um, so mildly religious upbringing, um, not really involved. Um, when I was 17, I had a serious encounter with God that made me reevaluate my life and my faith. And, uh, um, uh, that encounter was with people who were pretty gung ho, um, uh, uh, militant almost about their faith and their morals and their social structures. And so that led me to be pretty militant about my faith. Um, and I joined the Sparta of the faith that is <laughs> a 220 where you, you either are strong enough to survive or you're left for dead. Um, so yeah, we did that internship. Uh, I just tried, uh, tried to increase my, zeal for my faith to the point of breaking off a lot of relationships, destroying a lot of relationships, honestly, in retrospect, destructive behavior, uh, that I would call at the time I was just following Jesus and doing what he would want me to do. And that happened for about 10 years. I got married, had three kids, and then eventually got to the point where I started to develop my own faith inside Mm -hmm. of that faith structure. And my faith and that faith were at odds with each other to the point where I was asked in in uh, pretty plain terms to leave my church because I was causing too much trouble and I wasn't listening or submitting to pastoral authority. Um, and that sent me on a deconstruction journey that lasted about five years. I'm still there. Here I am, a Christian who I believe loves Jesus more than I did five years ago when I got asked to leave my church. But people beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll always have their own opinions, right? Yeah. Um, man, 
I'm yeah. also long-winded and I apologize. <laughs> hey, it's good. It's good for a podcast, right? right. Um, yeah, that's funny because uh, I did. So we did the internship at the same time and I, my journey was about 10 years after as well. Um, really trying to present more feminine because we had a female class and we had a male, or I think they called it girls class and a guys class. Yes. Um, that we took every Wednesday and literally were told in the girls class that we needed to at least have, um, like lip gloss or some kind of lipstick on and mascara at all times. And we needed to dress, uh, feminine, feminine, which meant like dresses, slacks, blouses, um, what kind of jobs we could have, what jobs we weren't supposed to have. Which I thought was funny because two of the jobs were military and police, and I was a police. I was police in the military. So, <laughs> oh man, oh yeah, I'm I'm like having a flood <laughs> of memories now. Like sitting in there, and they're like, "Everyone, close your eyes, and if you've had homosexual tendencies or feelings, please raise your hand." And I had, but I was not going to raise my hand because I was terrified of whatever you know was going to happen. Right. right. Um, yeah. Like, I'm just going to oh keep that God. to myself because you guys don't seem to do well with people like that. <laughs> oh, gee. I mean, you know how many times they try to pray the gay away on me? I think I felt like it was at least once a week. And I was <laughs> I was so hell bent to graduate, which yeah. now I look back and I'm like, man, I wish I would have just like quit. But then I would have felt like a quitter. But seriously, I mean, like what? I'm sorry for the trauma you experienced, but so much kudos to you and your dedication and your, your, um, earnestness in your faith to try and survive that despite that. I mean, that is a definite kudos to you. Kudos to anyone who survived that and is like, still can look at God and be like, yeah, I think that's good. I think I want him in my life. (laughs) I I don't serve the same God that they did at 220i. That's for sure. Cause yeah. His last name isn't stock still. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have to bleep that out. Um, we're not going to. No, please uh, keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm, and this is, I don't know, it's still on topic. I'm, I'm interested to know, what did y'all talk about in guys class? Because I'm, was it anything like sexual purity and all that stuff that they were feeding us? Oh, it was. It was a lot of that, but I mean, that's, it's pretty well understood that in any guy's air quotes, you know, experience you have at church, mm-hmm. we're about to talk about masturbation and pornography. And that's, <laughs> so they've talked about that a lot, just like every right. church does. Um, and, but then the, the 220 flavor that was different than anywhere I'd ever been before was just like how um you have to be strong and that has nothing to do with your emotions you know like it's like you have to have a strong career a strong work ethic a strong tone of voice a strong figure you know like i mean you have to look muscular and like all of these different things that had very little to do biblically with god but very much to do culturally with that version of God, they made sure to leave the uh, 220 mark, I guess I would say, is like 
look like a man, talk <laughs> like a man, uh, interact with women like a man, which by the way, interact with women like a man, that does not mean, I mean, there's such a breadth of ways that men can interact with the opposite sex, but you only had the 220 channel, which was domineering, uh, you know, that's the, that's the best way I could put it is we were taught how to be domineering in men's. Yeah. Class. Yeah. And, and it, it would crack me up because it was, there were so many like double standards, right? Like they're like, okay, oh, yeah. you can't talk to the guys. You can't text them. You can't, they would, they would literally snatch up our phones to see if we had been talking to guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and but then we would go to like house parties and stuff and they would be like, why are y'all so weird around the guys? Y'all should talk to the guys. It's like, because y'all have told us so many times not to talk to them. Yeah. We're going to be weird. You know, it just, it, right. it if cultivated I, if I, like this, like super, I mean, I'm sure a lot of us were, I know I was already awkward, but we're already awkward enough. And right. then it's this like tug of war of don't talk to them, but talk to them. Yeah, absolutely. You take like, well, I feel like the majority of people in the internship were young adults, like 18 to 20, where you're like, I guess it's time for me to uh, find someone. And Mm -hmm. on top of that, it's the time of your life. You got your hormones are just finally starting to like settle down and you're becoming a normal person. And so you have all of that inside of you. And then this extremely strict purity culture mm-hmm. it's like if if you speak to someone of the opposite sex we will clothe you in sackcloth and ashes and you will eat dirt and have your eyebrows shaved off <laughs> and paraded around the church campus and then they're like you really need to like learn how to interact with the opposite sex and i'm like well thanks for the healthy environment that you've given me to learn how to do that in i really appreciate it It really it was so much control and even in having this conversation that's probably i mean another reason why they probably try to pray the gay away because they were not finding like i'm i was not talking to any of the guys and if i was it was just like when we would go to the the schools or you know um yeah, so they were probably like, it was such a control thing. It really was. And they would ruin friendships. Like if they thought you were absolutely too close to somebody, they would ruin that friendship. And oh, oh yeah, it, it was, was a, it was because I mean, I was right out of high school. So the high school drama was like the natural environment for me. And that place was very, very high school. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like the people would get kicked out of the internship. And then immediately rumors would start, oh, who were they talking to? Like, who'd they get caught texting? Or like, my God, we were all adults. Yeah. Who did you get caught texting is the talk of the town. Right. And we're like 18 and 20-year-old adults. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just like, I mean, it reminded me of the church, right? Like the church I grew up in, as soon as somebody would leave, they would be like, you know, ostracized it was like no one would talk to them and then all again like you said all the rumors would start mm-hmm. um and i was older like i was 21 22 i had done the military which was like high school so it's like mm-hmm. no i don't think high school ever ends for anybody because you go into That's the probably world true course, it's like you know just it never stops um yeah. so i was older when i went um but even then and it was just 
I think being in it was like, yes, like I'm going to do this. This is great. Love it. I I mean, I still, I kept drinking the Kool-Aid for a couple of years after. Um, probably wasn't until, I'm going to say like 2015, 2016, where I was like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> um, maybe earlier. I don't know. But I feel like it was around that time that, you know, things started to kind of click. Like this, this was not safe or you like talking to people about it right like these experiences that we had and we're like oh no this is normal like um telling people about yeah so we would have these things called encounter retreats where oh yeah we would have kids you know middle school and high school stay in a church for you know two to three days and we would show them these like really graphic images from the passion of the christ and you know they would play their own music over the the video and then but before that, the interns had to go through all the, the bathrooms and collect all the trash cans because we would do a deliverance session. And during the deliverance session, people would throw up. So that's why we have we had to have the trash cans. Yeah. And that being something that's like, oh, yeah, that just happened. And people going, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, when I tell the story of 220, people are like, bro you were in a cult and i'm like yeah real life i absolutely was like when i tell them about boot camp and they're like we had a nutrigrain bar for breakfast after sleeping on the ground in a sleeping bag and then yeah outside a can of tuna and eight saltine crackers for lunch a can of tuna and eight saltine crackers for supper for three days and just did calisthenics till we vomited and then we're made to do up downs in our vomit and they're like, yeah, I don't think that was God. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad you figured it out sooner than me. You know. <laughs> do, do you remember when they brought the chickens out and we had to watch a chicken? Yes. Like we had, group to, had a chicken. And if it ran away, we had to go punished. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. My that God. part was actually kind of fun. The chicken part. Um, that is a more lighthearted. Uh, it was really my friend Jordan in the internship. I, I don't Mr. know if Jordan. you remember. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah. He was like, someone came up to him and was yelling in his face. He was next to me and he was like, I just threw up. Can I scoot over out of line to do up downs? Or which are like burpees. Yeah. And um, they're like, absolutely not. You never more move out of formation. And he's like being ordered to lay down in his vomit and stand back up. And I'm like, man, we really must be somewhere spiritual. Right now. Oh, it was, it was awful. Yeah. It was a cult for sure. Like I, after telling the story to multiple of my friends and seeing their reactions, there's no doubt in my mind that it was absolutely a cult. Nothing about that is in the Bible or even close to in the Bible. I was trying to see how far, and I, I should have done this before, but I didn't know how much we were going to talk about this. So the last day we had to carry this heavy ass cross from one campus to the next. And I want to say it was close. Was it 15 miles? I want to say it was like seven miles, if I remember. Seven right. miles? But okay. Either way, so it terrible. Still, what are we yeah. doing? What are we doing out here with these kids? What's going I remember on? People like like we were walking around a neighborhood closer to the the church where we started, and this lady pulls over and she just puts her hand on her heart and she's like, "Oh God bless y'all." And I'm like, 
yeah, but also like what? Like and it's boot camp should have been, and I, I there were people that left after boot camp. Yeah. The people that left during the internship, I'm like, y'all were smart. We criticized y'all, but y'all knew. Y'all knew what yeah. was up. They uh, said, this isn't God. And I right. was like, bro, I would never let myself believe that this is not God. I am too deep in. I can't say that. Because um, if book- I would have, it would have undefined a part of who I was. True, yeah. Like, I felt called there. And so many eggs of my faith were in that basket that I will do anything to pursue mm-hmm. my calling. And if I would have said, I don't think this is God, I would have had to uncheck half the boxes that were already mm-hmm. built up in my faith journey. It would have cost me half of what I believed to say that this isn't God. And then 10 years later, it did cost me half of what I believed. But at the time, that was scary. And it, you know, now it's liberating. Yeah. No, that's so true. Um yeah. Uh, and the, you said militant earlier. I mean, I was, again, I was in the Navy, yeah. lo- always love military things. And um, for me, I was like, oh, boot camp wasn't bad. Like I didn't, you know, I actually thought it was kind of fun, but then I look back at it and I was like, that was, that was awful. Like having us run through this like muddy, watery pit, people were getting cut Um, They had no sympathy on us at all. Like you said with Jordan, like they had no sympathy. Um, Yeah. And then that night we were expected to be at a prayer gathering, which I think was at the other campus. Yes. Yeah. We had to drive to the other campus for it. And you could tell who all the interns were because we could not walk. Like we were literally wobbling all over the place. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And it was the first time we had been allowed to shower or go to the bathroom indoors in three days, you know, after, after, <laughs> after I forgot that about week. that. I'm like, did it? Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure we did have to use the restroom at one point. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was all outside, no showers, no s- literally zero self-care. It was only just I like it rained too, day. didn't it? Or I know it was like misty or it rained yeah, at night at night it rained and we woke up. Well, I woke up. Cause I guess I didn't wake up when it was raining, but my sleeping bag was soaking wet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Woken up with like air horns and super soakers and, uh, awful. yeah, it was pretty it was crazy, so but yeah. it's, it, it really displays how much dominance that they had over us because yeah. they wouldn't say like you're, you're physically weak. The insults that they would hurl would be like, you must not be called or your faith is weak or, you know, it, they related it yeah. to our spiritual identities. Every time that we would fail a challenge or fall behind the motivation wasn't like get up there with the group. It was like, so, so you must have the weakest faith out of everyone. Cause you're right. falling behind. Yeah. like, yeah. Holy yeah. cow, dude. Basically, you're, they could have just said you're a piece of shit. Like that. Was- yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, but in really spiritual terms yeah. to people that were really gullible spiritually. So we were internalizing all of that as they were yeah. saying. Yeah. I still see those pictures and it's just, it's so many emotions, right? Like a whole mixture of emotions. But then I also laughed because I don't think we were in the same group, but I had, I had Jordan in my group and we had to do this trust fall and when I went down, my I didn't lock my arms right, and I swung them open, and I punched mm-hmm. Jordan right in the face. <laughs> I remember that. I didn't know and it was I broke you, his but glasses. I 
and another guy, the other guy was pissed. Like he hated me the whole time we were there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and they made me do it again. That's like something that I learned that I figured out about 220i is that there wasn't anything that you learned spiritually. It was, it was just all abuse and manipulation. Um, and I always say like the best thing that I, I got out of the internship other than, you know, some of the people that I met was really reading the Bible. And if I hadn't read the whole Bible, I don't think I would be here, you know? Wow. Um, that's awesome. Because reading it, it's like, wait a second. <laughs> it says this, Yeah, but we're doing that. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This doesn't add up. This is a different Jesus than what y'all are trying to push on us. Um, I wish I could have seen it that way when it was happening. Because <laughs> I, I was like, oh yeah, this is like the reason that I'm they tear they tear me down spiritually all the time is because mm -hmm. of this principle. Right? <laughs> I was just justifying yeah. the life I was living in. I it didn't occur to me that I had been lied to. The whole time i was just trying to make it match what i was being taught you know yeah but uh, i agree to a certain extent that it's not like i didn't get anything out of the internship um i feel like the the part of me that i do associate with uh like i don't know um my adulthood or my ability to be steadfast in the face of adversity to truly batten down the hatches and do something I don't want to do for a greater purpose. I, I got pretty good at that in the internship because I wanted to quit every day, every day I'd wake up and be like, it's almost over. Yeah. Maybe is it even worth it? What am I going to get out of this? And the thing I got was the ability to say, I'm going to, I'm going to make it, you know, I'm not giving up. I will stay. I will do the hard thing, which is not, I mean, being 18, I didn't do a whole lot of that in my life. <laughs> I was a child, basically, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that coming of age did happen at 220i. I feel like it did happen because of 220i. Wasn't intentional by any means, the leaders, but just proving to myself that I could endure that amount of suffering for what I felt called to, whether good or bad, <laughs> that I could do it is what I thought I, you know, I think I gained that out of 220i. Yeah. But that's, that's awesome good. that... Yeah. You're that you were in the midst of it reading and like, you're like, no, I don't think this is it guys. I think, I don't know. You were more enlightened than me. Well, I, I think that that came, that came much later. Honestly, I was just trying to survive. <laughs> right. I right. There. Survival. Yeah, I, I also learned how to, to do survive. that. Yeah. yeah to, to hide within myself and weather the storm. <laughs> yeah. yeah I felt like I was treading water and it just, yeah, it was like, yeah, like that, like, okay, we only got a couple of months left. We got a month left, you know, and even going to, um, what, what did they call it when we went to Destin? Um, like beach trip, the bitch, the, the bitch. <laughs> the bitch. <laughs> oh, that's good. A little bit of both. Um, yeah, yeah. Trip. Oh man. That's a whole nother thing. Right. Um, oh, it's a, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. But going there and going, okay, we're like, that was almost like we were done. We were basically done at the beach trip, but people like, I remember, uh, she was like our house mother or whatever, why we were at the, why we were in Destin got kicked out of the internship. So it was like, you were never safe from not getting kicked out. Wow. Um, yeah. I remember coming back and Amy was like, oh, so do you, um, do you want to be the house mother now? Because 
this person's now gone. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, we're wow. like weeks away from being done. That's crazy. And people were still getting kicked out. Yeah. Uh, the beach but then trip. the whole like dating, you remember that? Like we had absolutely. to do Absolutely. Like, Forced dating. It was not optional. You absolutely had to or else. And then they interrogated y'all, right? Like, I don't remember really being uh, interrogated, but like. When it comes to trauma, like yeah. that I could write down in a therapy session <laughs> and they would be like, yep, this qualifies. You experienced trauma. When it comes to that, I would say that moment, that interrogation after date night was probably the most mm. demeaning, humiliating, traumatizing experience of all of 220i for me anyway i don't know what they were telling asking the other guys but you're there in front of the leaders of the church or the leaders of the youth group who effectively were the leaders of the church to us mm-hmm. um the people that have been teaching us in classes and you know you're trying to impress them and uh you know vie for a position of approval and their favor so that you can not only more easily survive the internship, but prove that it wasn't, you know, their efforts weren't wasted on you and you're there in front of the council. Mm. And, <laughs> uh, one of the leaders, um, I, it is, is foregoing the name. I should probably just for like, I don't want anyone to be like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, he's slandering me, but it really happened. Um, one of the leaders who wasn't a generation leader, they were just very close. Um, basically, in front of everyone was like, um, I just started like saying, did you masturbate this week? Did you masturbate this month? When was the last time? Who did you think about? And, it had and nothing I, to do with date night. I know. It had nothing to do with <laughs> anything. And I'm just like, I'm not lying to these yeah. people because that would be you know, a betrayal of what I'm there to do. And so I'm just like absolutely ashamed in front of these people airing out, you know, very private information in front of a council of men. And uh, that was like the first time that I ever said that wasn't God. That was wrong. That should not have happened in the whole internship. I can't believe it took me that long to say that. But that was the first time that I was like, this is really wrong. And that person is out of line. Um but like, as far as like things that I could say in a therapy session, they'd be like, oh, yep, that's pretty, pretty terrible. I'm sorry that happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it was no boundaries whatsoever. They would ask you anything. I mean, ridiculous yeah. questions in those interrogations in front of everybody, you know, and you're like, my peers were in there. They're all the guys that had previously been interrogated. Basically every guy in the internship was in there. And I'm like, wow, I'm getting grilled in front of everyone. This mm-hmm. is terrible. So yeah, that was God bless <laughs> that experience. <laughs> yeah. Uh you mentioned therapy. I, I think my first month or two in therapy was literally going over 220i. I'm like, I've and this was only like three years ago. I'm like, I've gotta process this because I keep having dreams. I have um just uh, feelings like things that I can't get rid of that I can't like hatred uh oh, it was just it was bad it was so yeah. bad um and then especially after that post came out 
about three years ago, right? Three or four years ago. I would say so. Yeah. Oh, and all these, and we'll call them survivors because they are, but all these survivors from 220, which was the youth group at Bethany World Prayer Center, and then 220 Iowa's internship, but all these people, probably what, 100, 200 people just collectively saying this. You know, we, it was the first time in over 10 years that I didn't feel alone in it. Like I had talked to a couple of people that had done the internship and we, you know, we're like, yeah, this really sucked. But to see a collective group of people saying, no, this was not right. Like we all experienced, you know, different things. Like uh, me as a, you know, a closeted queer white person mm-hmm. experienced something different than you, you know, right. a cis white male than, you know, our um, people of color experienced whole other issues. Right. They told like how right. their hair needed to be, all this stuff. So they, I mean, yeah, they were homophobic. That's pretty rough. You know, uh, Joel Stock still saying the f word for like facts, saying yeah, facts, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, from yeah. the pulpit, um, they were racist. It was just. <sighs> it makes <laughs> it was... me so like upset and sad that because of the culture built around that church mm-hmm. that like he would like people in the crowd are like oh snap he said it like like in a yeah. positive oh, way their response god. their yeah. response to that is like thunderous applause like yeah. oh my god he's he'll say anything to glorify yeah. god which is abs- asinine i mean it's ridiculous they but worshiped him like the just... fact that, the fact that like he could say that and no one was like hey buddy like let's yeah. reel it in everybody was just like thunderous applause like i can't believe he's so prophetic that he can say fag from the pulpit yeah you know like what yeah. what are we talking about dude like, yeah in and retrospect he, it's crazy it's yeah i can't i can't imagine sitting in a service and hearing that now like without like making a scene you know what i mean like i yeah. i have work to do in this service right now to, yeah but to to applaud it is more disgusting not yeah. just like it's not like just complicit silence it's like oh dude what a badass you right because oh i remember that i remember it happening and i think I, my response would have probably been like what <laughs> you know like everyone's right. applauding and stuff but still going like uh I don't know about that, but you know, you couldn't, you couldn't express your opinions or, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, unless it was the group's opinions, exactly, which, which inherently was the stock stills opinions. Right. And they they told you what your opinion was like, right. Because they they set the tone. I remember anytime, like I, I think there were a couple of times that I might've like, um, in a way stood up for myself and that was like corrected. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it was, I'm glad it's in the past. Oh, Uh, yeah. I'm glad that everyone that did survive did survive because mm -hmm. there is plenty of reasons. I mean, that people that go through similar trauma, they don't make it out of uh, they don't make it back to being a functional member of society. Sometimes they go into a depression that claims their life. I mean, there is a lot surrounding what we just talked about that can kill people and yeah yeah so I, i'm yeah. blessed and proud of 
us mm-hmm. that we did make it through that and we're somehow better people. I, I don't want to say better people for it, but you know <laughs> what I mean? We're, we made it out better. Yeah. So yeah. that's a praise God moment for that. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, we can we can get off the two twenty i subject for a little bit. That's uh, fair. It's a deep well we could talk about forever. It, I know, I know. Um, uh, and it, as much light as we can shed on it, I am all for it because people need to know. People still go to that church, and it baffles my mind. Churches they have what multiple churches now, right? Um, so you said earlier that you are in the the midst. I I would say like the thick of it in deconstruction or have there been like books or podcasts like what kind of sources have have you used to kind of go through your journey the and most I know each one is like a step right like you kind of go through like right a through well it started with uh it, they've all been podcasts so if you're listening to this uh you're in a great channel of resources <laughs> in podcasts um but uh it started with this podcast called the bad christian podcast um, and it's with the guys from Emory. I don't know if you remember that. It was a Christian hardcore band from like 2005. But okay. um, they did a podcast that I really enjoyed because I just was like, something's got to give. This Something is not right here and I don't know what it is. And then I heard one of my childhood heroes, Aaron Gillespie, the drummer for Under Oath, who I like worshipped as a child, get on there talking about how he's going through a divorce and he is just swearing ungodly. Like, I mean, just like, Actually, I'm not sure that's ungodly anymore, but, you know, he's just cussing up a storm and I literally cried. I was so in that sphere that I was heartbroken that he was no longer a Christian because he was swearing. And that's just where my brain was at the time when I heard that podcast. And it's it led me on this journey of questioning, like. Is that really condemnable? Yeah, like to eternity in hell and just because he's swearing, like would I do ministry? I I disagree with that. At that point in my life, I disagreed with it. But would I ever do ministry with this person? Can I get along with them? Can that difference in the body of Christ, can we disagree on that issue and still continue? That's where it started. I started talking to my pastors about that. And they were like, whoa, buddy, this is some dangerous (laughs) ground you're treading on here. You don't want to be asking these kind of questions. And that led me to just realizing that I could be I could focus more on orienting my life around what I would call lost people back then, but just like my friends who didn't know Christ, I could orient my life around them and cater to them, speak their language, think their thoughts and exist with them on their level rather than try to become a church, the churchiest person ever. Cause the churchiest person ever was not saving my friends. I was, losing in the realm of evangelism i was losing friends i was not saving souls no real discipleship was happening just moments of passion and i found through that bad christian podcast that i could be oriented around those people and i wanted to be and that led me down a whole long path of wanting to do church differently because church sucks for lost people (laughs) people that don't know christ literally think that church is boring and stupid and I don't want to go there because it's awful. And I agree at this point in my life, I think churches, I do a lot of them. I'm not a fan. It's pretty yeah. boring stuff, but I'm getting sidetracked. The next resource that I used 
after getting kicked out of my church, when I really wanted to unpack my faith and see what I really believed was probably the best podcast I've ever heard on deconstruction. It's called You Have Permission mm. um, with Dan Koch. And every episode is like, you have permission to believe that people that don't know Jesus go to heaven. You have permission to be gay affirming. You have permission to explore multiple atonement theories. Mm-hmm. You have permission, so on and so forth. And it was just like a brand of Christianity I have never heard of. Mm-hmm. You know, like talking about like real Christian giants of the faith, like uh, I don't know, I have to say giants of the faith, but modern day people that have arrived at different conclusions than evangelicalism, like Richard Rohr and the like of these type of people that like I didn't know they existed because no one would ever have told me about mm-hmm. them. Oh yeah, because to them they would be heretics. I love right, it. yeah. And they're not heretics; they're just Christians that have have arrived at different conclusions when presented with the same gospel. And so, what do I do with that? I just, you know, th- before it was unfair. I was never presented an alternative. It was just this is what you believe because this is the truth. Only we know it. Don't ask people questions. Yeah, you have you have a sacred truth gifted to you from your church, and, and that is the truth. And everyone else is wrong. We got to help them mm-hmm. see it our way. Yeah. Whereas now I'm exploring what does the breadth of Christian history and modern Christian scholars what do they think? Mm-hmm. And man, it's so beautiful how varied those conclusions are. And I just can't even i I can't even describe it. It's very glorious, is what I would call it the breadth of Christian conclusions about mm-hmm. serious issues and how the seeking isn't done. It's not a solved puzzle, this Christian yeah. walk. You know what I mean? And so yeah. again, long-winded, sorry. Those are the two bad Christian podcast and you have permission podcast changed my life. And that's where those resources were that I relied on heavily. I remember when um, you were kind of going, I think it was right after you got fired from your church, you started a podcast. I did. Yeah. The Pilgrims and Prodigals podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And your friend became an atheist, right? And I remember loving, I loved listening because I think that was one of the first ones that I listened to because you were kind of, I feel like we were kind of in this like journey together where we were both. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. Um, So listening to that and then also the liturgist, I, I used to listen to them all the time. And the way that I found the liturgist is that I literally looked up, <laughs> that's a lot of <laughs> uh, <laughs> liturgy because I had gone to, a on this trip to Malaysia and it was the first time I had really been in a service that had, you know, uh, more of like a liturgical form or like, you know, litany and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, I loved it. I was like, I love the order. I love that, you know, it's just, it's kind of short and sweet, but it's still powerful. Um, but I came home and looked up liturgy and the liturgist podcast came up. I was like, Ooh, that'll probably teach me about liturgy. And it was not at all, but it really <laughs> it's like, like the opposite almost. It was the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it really helped a lot. Um, yeah. God bless that journey that those people uh, have been on where they were yeah. like in the thick of the CCM world to atheism back to you know, open faith. And that's yeah. uh, a, I'm, I appreciate people like them, people like you, people like us yeah, sharing this sure. because the resources just don't exist to, for most people. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a, it's not on the billboards anywhere. This journey that we're going on, or these no. resources. No, and that's why it's like. So the reason why I'm doing this, and I don't know if you know this or not, um, but I'm actually taking a class in seminary called uh, the Exvangelical Experience. And it's the first time that they've taught an evangelical class, and there's been so much interest in it. Um, there's oh, yeah. only a handful of us in the class, but it's definitely, I feel like it's a class that's going to take off. And one of the assignments was to interview somebody for the class. And I was like, this is my wheelhouse. Like, this is something I can do. And I said, for the the final project, can I just make a podcast out of it? And one of the professors was like, yeah, that's great. And I'm like, Cool, because even though there's already evangelical podcasts out there, yeah, there's still so many stories that need to be told, um, and that's why it's like another evangelical podcast because it's, I mean, th- this is my sphere, right? And mm-hmm. if you were to do your own evangelical podcast, you would have, you know, a whole nother. It's just, it's yeah. unending stories and content, really. <laughs> that yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely, just go on forever. The breadth of content, or in other words, the breadth of damage done by the evangelical church, there's a yeah. lot of survivor stories out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, too, like we were talking about earlier, right? So I go to a, a Presbyterian seminary. I'm not Presbyterian, still don't really know anything about Presbyterians. But um, <laughs> there's some that have been lifelong Presbyterians, right? And some yeah. of us that are evangelicals will tell our stories, and they're like, what you know because all they know is their nice little pc usa churches and stuff i'm like yeah no this is what's happening <laughs> this is right it's still going on um this is how the this is how the evangelicals have taken over american politics and that's something that we touch on in the class by reading like you know jesus and john wayne and um a whole list of books that oh, have yeah. really been you know so good um, we read Shameless by Nadia Boltzweber. Um, but yeah, it's it's just been it's been a really cool experience. And it's been a great way to reconnect with folks too. Like and, oh, yeah. you know, kind of reminisce or like just hear people's stories from um the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. With all that, we only uh, have a few minutes left. And I want to oh, get okay. Sorry. No, let's, no it's let's okay. get to the good stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> really, it's just um, two questions I really like to to touch on, um, sure. and then if you if you have more that you'd like to say, that's cool too. Um, but what is something that you would want to tell your younger self? And this could be Ben that was in two twenty I. This could be Ben that was at the old church. Ben five minutes ago. Like, what would mm. you want to tell your younger self? Mm, man, it's hard to condense that into a small <laughs> truth. Yeah, but just that. Um, I know you feel like these people are the only people that know God and can connect you to Him, but that's the smallness of your mindset talking. That's the smallness of your experience talking. Please get other voices involved in your faith journey early rather than later, because having only one source of truth or one person that can pass it down to you creates powerlessness and a dogmatic structure that you have to exist in. And the only alternative to alter that dogma is to deny your faith. Mm -hmm. And it gives you this false dichotomy that you can't disagree with them or else you do not believe. And that is not true. 
that there are many places you can land in your faith journey. And that's mostly between you and Christ and you and the Holy Spirit. But just listen to more people than this guy. This guy who uh, runs a church of 70 people is not hearing something special <laughs> that no one else has ever heard from, I promise. Yeah, that would be the number one thing that I would tell them. And then the other thing is... Um, You're going to need, think about your family mm. more than you think about your ministry. Because um, I threw away so many career opportunities to pursue full-time ministry. And then it just burned right in front of me whenever I decided to be my own person. So much so that I feel like I set my family back like 10 years. I could have been doing so much more for my future kids and my future wife to set us up to be more productive members of society and more happy in our marriage and more, you know, just all of those things that I could have been investing in what now I consider real treasures. Yeah. Instead of whatever that was, my promise of full-time ministry, I would call, I would have called it my calling back then. Mm -hmm. I would, I was sacrificing real, like living, breathing treasure in my family for that ministry. And that was not worth it. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you say that because like that 10 years went by right and then uh, again not to speak for you but I kind of feel like we kind of both stepped into ourselves and it's almost like there's this like you know in the queer community we call it a second adolescence where it's like <laughs> you're start you're really starting from that mark from 10 years ago um yeah. And it's, it's a very bizarre feeling because it kind of feels like everyone else is a little bit, they're 10 years ahead where we're like, but we're, I think, I feel like we're, we're, we are where we're supposed to be. Um, yeah, but it's still, it's, it's a little, it's a mind trick in a way. Um, what is something wise, that I feel like I've caught up? It's just career wise and, you know, like investments and those type of the things oh, that yeah. are physical. I, still catching up in, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. All I can do is press on Godward. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the military, right? I'm, um, I just turned 38. If I would have stayed in, I could have re retired next year, but that was wow. not, that definitely was not the path for me. Oh, that's um, <laughs> it's all good. I do not like to be told what to do, um, at all. Fair enough. So that's yeah. God and I'm in a congregational a church and <laughs> they like to tell us what to do. Yeah. Uh, what is something that you would want to tell somebody uh, listening to this interview? Um, it can be whoever you have in your mind. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I would probably, I think I lean the same mm. that someone listening to this, like there are so many resources out there. Do not sell yourself short and complete your faith journey before you've truly explored anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, use the resources that are available. Listen to people who disagree with one another intently, not just listen to them, but hear them and what they're saying and realize like the best thing I can say is that I, I was a, I loved CS Lewis for years and years, but I only ever heard about the CS Lewis stories mm -hmm. that lined up with the evangelical world that I was in. And then after yeah. getting out, I've realized that CS Lewis was 
a Christian inclusivist who believed that people that worshipped other gods by other names, their righteousness, as long as those acts had those acts were submitted to the truth that is Christ, not the name that is Christ, those acts are were credited to them as righteousness, and they would enter into heaven without ever knowing the name of Jesus and having worshipped him by a different name. Yeah. He's one example of thousands of people that in Christian history that have probably been misrepresented to you. Mm-hmm. Do your own research. Get out yeah. there. Listen to people like, I mean, I don't want to say listen to people like me, but listen to people that have been burned by evangelicalism and they'll tell you what's really out there. I mean, yeah. find a friend. Yeah. We're all out here find on this journey. Yeah, we're yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need like a special whistle or like a you know, like a hand sign or something, just so if you're yeah, in a right. coffee like, shop and you're like, oh, there's it's, one. It's like the Jesus fish that you see everywhere, but li- a little bit different. Some way that signifies like, I've been there. I'm here to help. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. you know I'm an ally. We can go there together. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's it's such oh, a. And also, if they're if you if they're hearing this podcast, they must already be doing that. So I'm proud of you. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. That's what I would say to them. Yeah, it's good. the The work is hard, but it's it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Yes. Um, and I like what Ben said. Find a friend, and we're we are everywhere. Um, and it's it's tough. Like some of it, you have to do on your own. Um, but to know that there's a community there is so helpful. You can find um groups on Facebook that are toward, like evangelical fishermen, you know, you can find all sorts of groups that tickle your fancy, but yes, find, find a support group. Um, and don't do it alone. Cause yeah, it, it does. It does help to have the community. Um, yeah. That's how faith is meant to be in my opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Community. For sure. Even though I really am bored to death with the church, I still go <laughs> because I think the community is important. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm not there for the service. The worship can be terrible. This preaching can be terrible. <laughs> but as long as those people are confident, I'm confident they love me and believe in me. I'll yeah. keep going, even to a terrible service, which I do almost every. <laughs> I hope my pastor's not listening, but. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll say if there's a way to block them. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like on Facebook, you can block that one person. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, that aunt that you don't want them seeing your post. No, I'm fine with them hearing brain. that, that I, I go to your church for the people, Pastor. <laughs> you know, and that's probably a good thing, too. Like, we, we need people in the church for the people. Yeah, um, absolutely. Is there anything that you would like to promote? Usually, I ask people, like, if they have music that they do, if you have a uh, a knitting Etsy shop or a nonprofit that you'd like to promote? Um, not really. This might be weird. It's nothing that I'm involved in, but it's something that I've been pursuing. And I think that it's a resource that if it was in the hands of more people, the church at large would be better off. So I'll just promote that. Um, I can't stand behind all of the views of this guy named Verlin Fosner, but he wrote a book that you should check out. It's called dinner church. Um, and many people have started to read it and started doing this, but it's a new way of doing church centered around 75% of the, the body of a church service being centered around a meal and just community talking about our lives 
what we need from each other, how we can carry each other's burdens. And then 25% of the service is liturgy. Uh, the other 75% is pure community, which is what I've always liked from church. So I recommend people check out a book called Dinner Church. I hope, I hope with all my heart that it revolutionizes the way that we do church and it kicks out this um, uh, outdated evangelical model of listen to me, look at me. And it gets back to let's be us, you know, together. Yeah. And so I'm promoting that resource because I plan on starting a dinner church here soon. Very cool. So. Very cool. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Um, well, Ben, thank you so much. Uh, our hour is up. It was really good to talk to you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and fantastic to talk to you too. And I'm proud of you too, for this journey, this podcast, you're awesome. Keep up the good work. And also with you, Ben. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. That does it for this week's episode. Tune in next week when we hear from my friend Marion, where we will dive in a little bit deeper to the internship that we both did and also been uh, called 220i from Baton Rouge, Louisiana from Bethany World Prayer Center. Um, yeah, tune in next week, next Thursday. Until then, take care, be well, be kind. Goodbye.